Thank you, Dave. Good to be back with you tonight. Wondered if we could uh, turn in our Bibles to the uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, tonight I've entitled uh, this message, uh, Three Postures to Spiritual Maturity. I'm going to talk about posture because the Apostle Paul uses uh, posture here in terms of our growth. So uh, let's read a few verses, and we're going to look at several verses uh, tonight but uh, in the book of Ephesians, but let us just uh, focus in on these three postures of spiritual maturity. The first one is in uh, the second chapter and verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The first posture is sitting. Chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. The second is walking, sitting, walking. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand. So, the Apostle Paul uses three postures for spiritual maturity. That of sitting, that of walking, and that of standing. Let's just run through that tonight as we uh, consider these things. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight and thank you again, O God, for thy word. We thank you, Father, that we have the truth right in our hands. And we thank you, Father, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, came to seek and to save that which is lost. Father, we never get tired of hearing, Father, about the Lord. Father, and we just pray tonight as we uh, look at our responsibility, Father, what God has equipped us with and how he would have us live. Oh, Father, we pray that each and every one uh, that is here tonight, Father, might just have ears to hear. Uh, Father, to listen attentively to thy word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul makes two prayers in Ephesians. One is found in, in chapter 1, and the other is found in chapter 3. And um, what, what he does there, and he prays, he prays the first prayers that we may know. It's the prayer of enlightenment that we may know. And we're going to go into that in a minute. The second prayer that he prays is that we might do. Enablement. It's a prayer of enablement. And brothers and sisters in Christ, it's important as you and I, um, as Christians, understand that we need to grow. 
that it's important that there be a constant growth in our lives. And tonight, I want to remind those who have been in the Lord for many, many years, like myself, or those young Christians that are here today, that we take spiritual stock and see where we're at, look at our posture as we contemplate these things tonight, see where you're at. There's, there's no reason, brother and sister in Christ, why you are not going forward in the things of the Lord. I pray that it be none of our experience in this place. Yes, we can have uh, moments at times we perhaps we get discouraged, but we ought to have a constant spiritual growth in our lives. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes out here tonight, as he writes out in the, in the book of Ephesians, we can learn uh, again and again and get encouraged to go on in the things of the Lord. And the first thing that he mentions here, uh, at least in terms of posture, is you and I are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to get that. We need to get that. That is such an important posture to understand that we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. You know what, Christian? You might feel like you're a loser. You might feel like you're defeated. You might, as you look at yourself and the way you act, you might just think that you are absolutely worthless in the kingdom of God. But I'm here to tell you by the word of God that you are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And the reason that we so often live a defeated Christian life is because we do not understand what God has done for us. It's done. It's done. We're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. The Apostle Paul prays that the wisdom and knowledge and the power of these, of these truths would grip our hearts. That it would change our lives. That we would understand that, that we are God's children. And we need to operate in that area. The real truth is, is exactly what's written in the Word of God. You might not feel it, Christian. You might be here tonight, and you've really been struggling. I want to tell you, in heaven, it's a completely different aspect in your life. In heaven tonight, God sees you in Christ. In heaven tonight, God sees you as pure. In heaven tonight, God sees you as a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to get that. We have to understand we'll never be able to walk the walk of the Christian life until we understand these things. It's immovable. God has guaranteed it. And the Apostle Paul spends the whole chapter in chapter 1 of telling us to get a hold of these tr truths. Here's what he says, six things that he says. Go back over this tonight afterwards. Read Ephesians chapter 1 and see what God has blessed you with. Before the very foundation of the world. Listen, Christian. 
before the very foundation of the world, you probably maybe have never even thought of this. God chose you. God chose you. Now, I've probably told you this before. Thank you, dear brother. I know I'm a dry speaker. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, that, that it, it actually snowed in my hometown yesterday. What was my grandfather thinking when he moved to northern Ontario? Anyway, um, before the very foundation of the world, he chose you. Now, I, 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 like I said, I think I've probably told you this before, but let me say it again. My dad spent a fair amount of money to go into our family tree. And after my dad passed away, I have the plaques of our family tree. He, 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 went, uh, he went and uh, through the government of Canada and got uh, the, the Martin lineage. And uh, my grandmother, uh, his mother, like his father, David Martin, and then he got um, my grandmother, uh, Delia Rochford. And both plaques are there. Now, my grandfather, 16 generations back, came from France and actually came over to Canada, uh, which was in Canada, of course, at the time, in the late 1500s, 16 generations back. So now you know I'm a Frenchman, right? And... Um, I was, I, you know, every once in a while, it's in my office at, at, at my house, in my study there, and I look over at that plaque, those two plaques on the wall, and I, I, you've, you've got to understand my uh, background. And I don't know this for a fact. I, obviously, I wouldn't know. But as I looked at those 16 generations back, probably a million people, when you think of it, right? probably more than that, actually, that are, you know, uh, in that uh, lineage. As far as I know, as far as I know, I'm the first born-again Christian in, that, in the family. Now, like I said, I can't, I don't know that for sure. But I'll tell you something about my family. There was no family that was more Catholic or more religious than uh, the, our family. And I think about that, and I think about why me, God? Why in the very foundation of the world before it even began that you saw Tony Martin and you, you know, the hound dog of heaven went after me and uh, I couldn't escape, it seems. And before the very, you know what? I don't understand all of that. I don't understand why I was the first, maybe. I don't understand it, but I sure enjoy it. I sure enjoy it. You know, when you walk around, Christian, and your posture's like this, because you've, all you can think of, if you look here, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to get disgusted. We need to understand what happened in heaven. God chose you, Christian. He chose you before the very foundation of the world. Paul wants you to get that. Because if you don't get that, you'll never live for Christ. If you don't get that, you won't walk for him. 
If you don't get that, you won't stand for him. You've got to understand like the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is what? Which is Tony's little add-on, which is the least we can do for what he's done for us. Isn't that true? Isn't that true, Christian? We need to understand that. We, we need to get a grip of that even before the world began. God decided, listen to this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to do it. Think of that. God in advance adopted us with all the rights. Christian, no eye has seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea. We have no idea, folks, what God has prepared for us. Because if we did, we'd live differently. We wouldn't get discouraged. We wouldn't stay in the moment. We would live for the next life. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family as this is what he wanted to do. And it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that it gave him great pleasure. You know, parents, you understand this. You understand this and grandparents understand it even more. You see kids. And you know what? I love kids. I do. I love kids. I guess we've had so many kids in our home. It was, I love kids. But you know what? I've I got to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? I love my kids more than I love yours. And I love my grandchildren more than I love those little kids that came up and did the burn. Not that I don't love them, but I love them dearly. You know why? Because they belong to me. And I don't care if they got a little snot coming down their nose or their diaper needs changing. It doesn't bother a grandpa because I love them. But folks, why do we think God's any different with us? Do you think he, you, he doesn't know that we're going to blow it today? That we're going to stink a little bit today? Do you think God doesn't know that? But before the very foundation of the world, Christian, he chose you. He knows that you're going to blow it. He knows what you're made of. He knows all that. And if we don't feel perfect tonight, God knows all those things. But the reality is, is that God chose us and God has adopted us and God has given us it's already done, folks. It's in the bank in heaven. It's already there. Why do we live at this plane when we ought to live up here? Because we don't meditate on these things enough. We're not seated uh, in our minds the way we should be, even though that's the reality of the situation. It says, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. All the blood. And we talked about that this morning. Isn't it a beautiful thing, Christian, that you understand the blood of Christ? 
Isn't it a beautiful thing? And people don't even understand why we would sing about that. But we do. And we enjoy it, don't we? Because we understand what it took for our Savior to win our freedom, the blood of Christ. He showed us with kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. You know what? This, this is something I never get over. Wisdom. Not the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom. He showered us with that, Christian. Think of that for a minute. Just think of your thinking. Just think you can look at the world and understand. You look out and you go, it's really just a facade, isn't it? You look at the world and you realize that it's, it's plastic. You know what I mean? It's not even real. It's not going to last. Right? And, and God's given us that. Isn't that wonderful? Like, like, even as Dave was mentioning, you know, that transaction. You went from darkness, Christian, to light immediately. The light gets turned on. And you see what the world doesn't see. We need to refresh our minds on that. We need to come back to that. We need to, to, to meditate on that. Never get tired of hearing that. That we are God's special people. And, and not only that, it, it, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that he has revealed his plan of the ages to us. Christian, think about that for a minute. Look at the crazy world in which we live. Does it surprise you? Does it surprise you that it's as bad as it seems? It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise Christians, right? Because God's let us in on this secret. Look, he's saying, look at the world. Isn't it crazy? He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm in control. Doesn't look like I'm in control, but I'm in control. Uh, it's going to, uh, the wheels on the bus are going to come off of this world. Won't be long. They're coming off as we speak. It's chaos. And the world seems like it's just spinning out of control. And they'll, they'll, they'll uh, you know, uh, it's coming to the, we're living in the last days. Would we agree with that here? I think so. We don't put a time frame on it or put a date on it or anything like that. But we know by um, the revelation of God, isn't that a wonderful thing to know that? You know what, folks? People, I talked to a lady in my office the other day, and she was telling me about this psychic she went to see. Well, I said, well, if you were out dishing out money, why didn't you ask me? I would have told you what happened to you in the future. Oh, doc, what? Yeah, you can do that. I said, yeah, I'll tell you. I said, you're going to die. Now pay up. You know, I mean, come on. But people see, they're interested in the future, but we know it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I, I know what, and I know what's going to happen. Folks, when's the last time you thank God for the fact that you know what's going to happen? I like that. I like that. Enjoy it. It's, it's part of being seated. We have received an inheritance from Christ. This inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit within you in Ephesians chapter 1. Another truth. Isn't that beautiful? Guaranteed. 
Christian, not maybe so, not I hope so, but I know so. And you know what, Christian? Once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Any other doctrine than that does not come from the word of God. It comes from the very pit of hell, in my opinion. Any other doctrine other than eternal security of the believer does not come from the word of God, but comes from the pit of hell. Because God's word is true. It's eternal life he gives us, doesn't he? And it doesn't depend on you, Christian. Because if it did, you probably would have lost your salvation today. True or false? True. Right? Like what sin would it be? I mean, if you could lose it, what would it be? What sin do you think would break God's heart so much that he would write you off and take you away from the grace that he has given you? Folks, you don't get saved by works, and you don't, get, and you don't keep it by works. I mean, it's repeated over and over and over and over and over again, and yet a lot of Christians, they, you know, they, they, they struggle with that. It's just terrible teaching is what it is. Thank God for the eternal security of the believer. Guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. It's in the bank. And it says that we ought to walk worthy. The second posture is the walk that we're to have. The overriding principle is this. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Christian, you ought to walk worthy of your calling. Now that you know. Now that you understand your position in Christ. You carry the name of Christ. You belong to Christ. Before the very foundation of the world, he chose you. Now you can walk with power. So many Christians walk unworthy of the calling because they don't see themselves, number one, as God sees them. They don't see themselves as God's representatives. We represent God here on earth. We're to walk. And the Bible says, look at verse uh, 3 of uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. It says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's all sorts of walks mentioned. This is one of them. We're to walk in unity. Now, that's not uniformity. I was mentioning this morning that there isn't a person in this room that has the same DNA. Your computer chip within your cells, every one of your cells is different, even if you're an identical twin, because you're not identical. You have a different DNA. And you know what, Christian? God has made it that way. He doesn't want cookie-cutter Christians. We all act the same and look the same and dress the same. We've all been given different gifts. I'll tell you something. You didn't want Tony Martin getting up here tonight and singing. I'll tell you that. We've all been given different gifts. 
But every gift that we've been given by the Holy Spirit is for what? Is for building up the church. It's for building up each other. The, the, you know, the Bible has no um, mention of individual Christians per se, in the sense that every Christian mentioned in the Bible ought to be in fellowship in a local church. It's just the way it is. There is no, you know, uh, one time I was at a, a men's conference in Canada, and um, a guy had on his, uh, you know, when you get those, hello, my name is whatever, you know those stickers that you get, you put it on your shirt or whatever, right, so that people can remember your first name? I, I think we should all do that. You get to my age, I forget names, right? But anyways, he had, my name is so-and-so from, I'll use my name, okay, so I won't use his, so that in case you, the tape ever gets in his hand. Um, my name is Tony Martin of the Tony Martin Ministries. Well, all weekend, I couldn't get over that. Like, my name is Tony Martin, and I didn't have that on my name. I had Tony Martin, but I didn't have of the Tony Martin Ministries. But you know what? <laughs> I, 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 it sort of bugged me all weekend in that conference. I mean, how can a guy put... You know, my name is so-and-so of the uh, so-and-so ministries. It bothered me. But then I thought about it. And I thought, you know what? That's true to some extent, you know, right? We each have our own ministry, don't we? We've each been given our own gift. And so, uh, but we're to walk in unity, to use these gifts to build and to encourage each other, not to be selfish, but to be humble and unified. You know what it takes to have a unity within a, a local assembly, Christian? It takes humbleness. Because if you want your own way, you're going to be a problem in here. If you're uh, so concerned about the way things ought to be and they've got to be your way, uh, that, that's going to be a problem. I can tell you that right now. So God says, yeah, I want you to be unified. Not not uniformity but unity a true unity based on love and based on um, the fact that uh, we're all created by God we're all seated, seated in the heavenlies like you're not seated higher than me and I'm not seated any higher than you it took the same amount of blood to save my soul than it did to save yours from Christ same amount right so uh, we're to walk in unity. We're to walk, it says in verse 17 of chapter 4, no longer walk as the Gentiles do. We are not to mimic. You know, folks, let me just share something with you about the world. The world is like gravity, isn't it? I've been 31 years in the Lord, and I'll tell you, the world is like gravity. It's a constant pull, isn't it? It's a constant pull. And it uh, will pull and pull and pull. And you know what that pulling wants you to do? It wants you to conform to its standards. You will never be an offense to the world if you live like the world. We're to walk worthy of our calling, and we are not to walk as the Gentiles do. You know what, Christian? This is just my uh, experience. God wants you to be different, but he doesn't want you to be weird. Do you know what I mean by that? You know what I mean by that? God wants you to be different because Christian, listen to me. 
look at the world in a different, um, a different viewpoint. They're without Christ, and they have no hope, and they don't see it, and they don't understand. But you live in your neighborhood that you live in. You rub shoulders with people that you rub shoulders with. Do you think any of that is by chance? No, it's not. And we ought to walk not as the Gentile, because you know what they're looking at? You know what the world really wants out of you, Christian? They want you to be different, but not weird. Do you know what I mean by that? They want you to, uh, they don't want you to party like them. They don't want you to uh, tell jokes like they, they do. They don't want you to do those things. They want you to be, they, are, they actually have you, whether you like this or not, you, they see you at a higher standard. Well, you know what? You better live at that standard. They want reality. They want to see your life. They want to see your home. And they want to see your marriage. And they want to make sure it's real. And that it's not just, you know what, I put on a shirt and tie or I get, go to church every Sunday, but I'm the most miserable person you've ever met. Christian, they don't want to see that. They, want, they have a very high standard and, well, they should. Because the Bible tells us that we're not to walk like the rest of the world. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are an attraction to people. And I pray every day when I get up, oh God, use me as a light. Use me as salt perhaps today. That I would, that I would put salt in a person's dryness in their life. And they would have a thirst for something different. But you know what? I better be different from them. If I, if I laugh at their jokes and I tell jokes like they do, and my tongue is no different than their tongue, you know what? They're, you know what? When the wheels of the bus come off in their life, and they will, and they will. When their marriages fall apart, when they get sick, and when they're so empty, and as we read this morning in Psalm 107, when they're at their wit's end, they will come to you brother and sister in Christ. They will come to you, brother and sister in Christ, if you've lived not as the Gentiles live. They, they, they won't go to their old friends, you know. They're drinking buddies. The party animals. Because those people, you know what? They got no answers when the wheels on the bus come off. They don't have the answer, but you do. You do. Live your lives in front of people. You walk not as the Gentiles do. Walk worthy of the calling of which you were called. When you consider all the things. And then um, uh, we're not to mimic. We're, um, we're several things. The, the Apostle Paul goes on in chapter 4. And for the sake of time, I don't want to go into him too much. He talks about putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. You know what it is, Christian? You know what it is? Just like we change our clothes every day. We change our clothes every day. We ought to, we ought to do that with ourselves, too. We ought to put off constantly looking at our lives, constantly looking. 
Folks, use a magnifying glass on your life. Is there any area in my life that I need to change? Constantly, every day, take stock, look at our lives and see, maybe there's something about the way I've been talking. Maybe it's something I've been looking at. Maybe it's something that I'm, I'm preoccupied with. Maybe it's something, this habit or sin or weight that so easily besets, as Hebrew says. Right? We ought to look at that every day and put it off. And when it comes back tomorrow, put it off again. And put it off again. And put on the new man, which was created by Christ in true holiness. That's what we ought to put on every day. The fruit of the Spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of these things. And I'll tell you what, folks. Listen. God will encourage. If you mean business, you want to be a true Christian that wants to be a light in your community, a light in the place that you work. You know, you might only have influence on three or four people, or maybe you have dozens and dozens of people you have influence, but it's surprising how people are watching you. You know, I used to watch Christians before I became a Christian. I thank God for the faithfulness of those men and women that I was watching. They didn't know I was watching them. I knew there was something different about those people. I was attracted to Christ because of it. We have no idea, folks, how people watch us. And even on your own family members that are not saved, and you know, sometimes you think they're not watching, they're not really looking, they're not, you know what, folks, listen to me. God's not done working, and you need to understand your position in Christ. Take stock tonight, and let's walk. And then finally, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it says in verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having done all, stand, stand therefore. Well, you know what, folks? It's not just a a, a posture of, of, of standing. If, if you read, I don't know anything about Greek, but I looked it up. You know what the word stand means there? It's a posture of, you know, I'm just, I'm standing. No, it's this. It's this. There's a time, Christian, to run. You're to flee from evil things. There's something on TV. You know what you do? You flip it off. That's when you run. But there's a time to stand and fight. And that's a posture of, 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 of getting ready to fight. And you know what's wrong with a lot of Christians? You know what's wrong with a lot of Christians? You know what? They haven't been in the fight for so long that they don't know what it's like to fight. We all got enlisted. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says... In 2 Timothy in chapter 2, that we're enlisted and that someone that's enlisted in the army of God does not get entangled in the things of this life. And when we get entangled, you know what happens? We can't stand anymore. You know that you can't. Because when you're in the battle, and I'll tell you, when you look at the at the book of Acts. And you see the power 
that those early disciples displayed, you know what it was? They were in a constant position of fighting the enemy. Because when you're witnessing for Christ, let me tell you, you'll be in the heat of the battle. Because you're going into his territory with people that he owns. Remember, the God of this world is the, is the owner by right of sin on the soul of a man until he gets saved. You're going into his territory. And Christian, we are told to get ready to fight. And you know one way to fight is you understand the wiles of the devil. You know what that means? The word wiles means? It means his schemes. What is, how is Satan going to affect you, Christian? You know what? He can't have your soul. You know what? The, 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 Satan knows that. He knows that. But what will he tell you? Oh, you know what, Tony? You're a loser. You're a loser. You see what you just said, Tony? You're a loser. You see the way you just acted? What you just thought about, Tony? You're a loser. You're no good. But you see, that doesn't come from God. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But the thief cometh to kill, steal, and destroy and I'll tell you what, he will come. He will come, Christian, and he will do what? What are the wiles of the devil? He is a deceiver. And what he will do is that he will kill your joy. He will kill your joy. You know what he will do? He'll steal your testimony. Christian, you only have to read the book of Job to understand the power of our enemy. And I'll tell you, and if you're not in a posture to fight, if you haven't understood that you are seated in the, up here in Christ in the heavenlies, if you are not walking carefully, if you are not walking in, in God, if you're not walking in Christ, you will never be able to stand and fight the enemy. You won't. You'll be no match for him. And I'll tell you one of his schemes. You know what one of his schemes is? It's amusement. It's amusement. It's amusement. Anything that will not go into eternity. And if we focus in on that, Satan wins. He can't have you, Christian. He can't have you. He knows that. But oh, he wants to amuse you. He set up a whole world of amusement. You know what the word amusement means? A, not, amusement think not to think that's what it means how much time in a day do we not think of witnessing how much time in a day do we not think of Christ how much time in a day do we go through right in 24 hours how many hours in that day do we spend that will have no value in eternity lots of it for me anyway for me, lots. And you know, when I evaluate my life and I think, you know, Tony, what is the most exciting thing of your life? 
Is there anything more exciting than seeing someone that, is, that Satan has got a grip of in chains, perhaps in addictions, and their, and their life is coming apart at the seams? Is there anything more exciting than to minister the word of life to a person? But I'll tell you, folks, we will never be able to stand unless we are walking for Christ. Because if you are not consistent in your walk, you are no match for Satan. I'll tell you that. He will knock you on your tail every time. You will be going backwards in the Christian life because he will discourage. He will, he will, he will talk in your ear about the hypocrisy that you're living and remind you again and again and again of the fact that you're, you're not worth um, anything to Christ. Oh, Christian, tonight, let us be ready. Let us go on to spiritual maturity. Let's grow each and every day. I want to grow. I don't want to be what I was last year. I want to be stronger. I want to be more loving. I want to be more kind. I want to be a different person. I want to, uh, to grow in strength. I want to be reminded that uh, life is short and that this uh, little uh, test ground that we're going through right now is going to go by just like this. Just like this. And oh, Tony, would you focus in on the things of Christ? Oh, Tony, would you be reminded that you need to walk carefully, that you walk worthy of Christ, and that you stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God and stand and fight and fight we're to resist the devil the bible tells us resist him and he will flee from you resist him with the word of god resist him with your life resist him in the power of christ you remind as satan reminds you of your past you remind him of his future when satan reminds you of your past you remind him of his future that the king of kings is going to make it right. And we're on the winning side. What a savior we have. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, as we leave here tonight. To live this week. To live tomorrow for Jesus Christ. That you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. That we would make a difference in the position that God has put us in on this planet until he comes. Let us pray.